That's awesome. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Chris. I, I think God just looks down on, on His people, like today, and just smiles. He's loving it. He loves to hear you sing His praises. Uh, that delights His heart. And, uh, man, today's been a great day of worship. And uh, what a privilege to be in the house of the Lord, uh, to be in His presence. You know, He's with us all the time, but there is uh, something that we just can't resist about being together in the presence of God. Uh, and I'm so glad that uh, He chooses to be with us week after week. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22 this morning. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus quotes from the Shema, which is from Deuteronomy 6, 5. It's a statement of faith that is recited daily by every Orthodox Jew. Jesus quoted it in response to a question, and that's what I want us to read this morning. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's bow together this morning. Holy Spirit, the one that inspired this word, and Jesus, you who spoke it, we need you today to open our hearts, not just to understand what you're saying. Lord, to truly love you with all of our heart. Lord, draw us, as Chris just sang, to be overwhelmed by you, to really delight in you as the most wonderful, the most beautiful, the most glorious. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for every person here. Thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. We owe you our whole life. Now speak to us from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. As I read this passage this week, again, I asked some questions about this kind of love for God. Do I have this kind of love for God? Do I really want to love God like this, or am I content with how I love Him now? How would it impact my life and those around me if I really loved God like this? I really want to love God like this. And I ask Him all the time, Lord, help me to love you like this. But I realize that there is a gap in what Jesus said and how I really love Him. I begin also to ask some questions like this. Is it just a commandment I must obey? Well, I guess I better love God because the Bible says I should. Is it 
just a consent of my emotions that causes me to just feel positive about God. Well, of course I love God. I certainly don't not love God. Or am I simply content with my relationship with God? God knows I love Him. I may not read my Bible and pray every day, but God knows where I stand. Let's apply that to your spouse, that line of thinking. Well, I guess I better love my wife because the Bible says I should. Husbands, try that line on your wife this afternoon. See if you get the warm fuzzies from her. You'll get something warm, but it won't be fuzzy. Might be a frying pan upside the head. Maybe you just can, you're just you just can, you give her your emotional consent. You just feel positive. Well, of course I love my wife. I so, certainly don't not love her. Or maybe you're just kind of content. My wife knows I love me. I may not sit down and talk with her very much, but she knows where I stand. Try that one. Honey, I told you the day we got married, I love you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. We wouldn't dare do that in our relationship with our wife or our spouse or our children or your grandchildren, but somehow we slip into that in our relationship with God. I believe the Bible, I believe the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here is a commitment of our very being. It's that which compels us in an all-consuming passion that creates in us a desire to know and to love Him more and more. To where, as Chris saying, we are overwhelmed by Him. Here's how one commentator described the kind of love Jesus is talking about in this verse. By this love, the soul eagerly cleaves to affectionately admires and constantly rests in God, supremely pleased and satisfied with Him as its portion, that it acts from Him as its author, for Him as its master, and to Him as its end. That by this love, all the powers and the faculties of the mind are concentrated in the Lord of the universe. That by this love, the whole man is willingly surrendered to the Most High. And that through this love, an identity or sameness of spirit with the Lord is acquired. Also think that when we hear Jesus say this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. We contend towards despair because we realize, like I said before, that there's a gap in how we really love God and how we're the kind of love God wants. And even if we do love God that way, it sometimes seems to only last for a little while before we slip right back into mediocrity. 
Let me ask you something this morning. Who in the Bible, just think, you don't have to say it out loud, who in the Bible can you think of that loved the Lord? I think in the Old Testament of David. In the New Testament, I think of John, the disciple. Were David and John perfect men, or were they just men? They were men. All right? They were real men. They were sinful men. David committed adultery and murder. He had too many wives. John was just a man. He was just a fisherman. In fact, he was a little bit prideful uh, in asking to sit at Jesus' right hand. In fact, uh, Jesus called he and James sons of thunder. I wonder how they got that name. Listen, we're not going to be perfect in our love for God. I I read that and I I think people read and sometimes I do is that I got to love God perfectly. And I know that this side of heaven, I'm not going to love God perfectly. But I cannot stop striving to love him like Jesus wants me to love him. I don't love my wife perfectly. She can't love me perfectly. I want to, but I'm not perfect. Only a perfect person can give perfect love. See, we have perfect love, don't we? We've been given perfect love from God. Jesus Christ is the greatest expression of God's perfect love for us. But it's hard for us to give that kind of perfect love back. So this morning, I don't want you to be discouraged when you see the gap, because I see the gap in my own life too. But I want to move closer and closer and closer. Listen, there's some of you here today that have such a sweet, close walk with Jesus. But no matter how close you are, you're not as close as He wants you. He still wants you to love Him with more, with all that you are. That's the journey that we're on. So I want to talk about this morning ways we can strive towards loving Jesus like this. How we can develop and grow in our love for God. God doesn't want our mechanical love, that is just going through the motions. He wants a real, genuine heart love. So these things that I share with you today are not just mechanical how-tos, but some practical things that we can do that will draw us closer to the Lord, where we can feel His heart and feel His love for us, which will draw out our love for Him. I've got seven things here. We're not going to get to all seven, I guarantee you. But if I get to two... Here's the two I want you to Here's the two I want you to hear. Number 1. Periodically contemplate on how much you've been forgiven. Look at Luke chapter 7 verse 36 and following. This actually happened. This is not a parable. Jesus told this is an actual event in the New Testament. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she, was, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, 
brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to pay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgives more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she's washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. This woman, Chris, was overwhelmed with Jesus. I want to be like that woman. I want to love my Lord like that woman loved her Lord. Don't you? That's the way I want to love, with abandon. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Verse 47, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Now when you read that verse, for to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Is Jesus saying that some of us are forgiven less than others? I hear him saying, some of us, realize how much we've been forgiven and some of us don't. I want you to consider how much you've been forgiven. I mean, I don't know if it would be a beneficial exercise or not for you to take a legal pad and you can list everything you know you've ever done wrong in your life. You might need three or four or five cases of legal pads, but... Let me give you an illustration. Some of you have heard this illustration before. You're a pretty good person. Hey, you're church, right? You're a pretty good person. Let's say on average, pretty good people like yourself, you only sin three times a day. Three times. Some of you say, well, I don't sin that much, preacher. <laughs> Let's just assume you're worse than you think you are. <laughs> so you only sin three times a day. Now, that's, that's pretty good when you realize that sin is not just something you commit. Sin is something you can what? Omit. For example, if I took a poll this morning and said, how many of you shared the love of Jesus with somebody this week? See, sin is not doing what we know we ought to do. To him, to know that, to him that knows to do right and does it not, to him it is what? 
sin. So to know you should do something that you don't do, that's sin. So sin is something you can do. Sin is something you don't do. Sin could be a wrong thought that you dwell on. Sin could be the right thing, doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason, with the wrong motive. Sin, in other words, is very subtle. The devil hides sin. He makes it look beautiful. He makes it look attractive. He makes it look good. In fact, the Bible says the devil appears as an angel of light. How could he do that? Well, that's what he was before he got kicked out of heaven. He makes it look appealing. So you sin three sins a day. I mean, literally just three sins a day. You are a really good person. Let's say you live, and I hope you live longer than this, but 70 years. Three sins a day times 365 times 70. That's 76,650 transgressions on your record. Now you stand before a judge in a court of law. I don't care if the sheriff's standing by you or not. What's he going to do, sheriff? He doesn't have a choice. Does the judge have a choice? You've got 76,650 transgressions on your record. You can't say, well, this is a first offense. You can't say, I didn't know any better. You've got 76,650 transgressions on your record. What are the judge's options? Does he have any? He doesn't have any option but to throw you into prison or to execute you, one of the two. So you think you're pretty good. You only sin three times a day. But over your life, you've accumulated thousands and thousands and thousands, maybe millions of transgressions against God. Maybe in order to love Him more, I need to realize how much I've been forgiven of. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, He who is forgiven little loves little, but to whom much is forgiven, the same loves much. Maybe we need to revisit how much we've been forgiven. In fact, there's no maybe about it. I know we should. To realize the price that Jesus paid for our sin. So you want to love Him more? Stop and think. Think of all that He's forgiven you of. And then thank Him and bless Him. Secondly, seek to know God in His Word. If you want to love somebody more, you've got to know them more. I know, have known Tana full of love since I was in third grade. Didn't give much account for her third grade through college. <laughs> she was just another girl. Her mom sold Avon to my mom. We went to the same school together. In ninth grade, their family came to our church from a church in New Orleans and because they had moved to Pearl River. She was still just another silly girl, and to her, I was just another obnoxious boy. I haven't grown up too much either. <laughs> a 
But one day, after spending some time with her, and began to notice some things that I liked about her. Outwardly <laughs> and inwardly. But the more I spent time with her, the more I knew I wanted to give my life to that woman. I even told her one night on our fourth date, very romantically, took her out on to eat and took her out on the beach and was walking and hand in hand. And I said, honey, uh, I may not have said honey at that point. I probably said, Tana, you know, I feel like you're the one God has for me. And, and this is the romantic part that all you girls are going to faint over. She go, and I said, and I want to know if you feel the same, because if you don't, I don't want to waste my money and your time. <laughs> I literally said that. Tana, did I not say that? Yeah, I did. So I know that's very romantic, guys. You can use that if you wouldn't like to. It worked. I got her. I got her. Thank the Lord. She said, yes, she felt the same way. But then I popped the question on February 14th, the next February 14th, really gave her the ring, made it the real deal, romantic and all. But, um, and then I thought I loved her then, and I did. But every day, spending more and more time with her, I found more to love. I found about how she could love me. When she began to find out things about me that weren't good. Because see, when you're dating and when you're first married, you just put your, you put your best forward, right? And then when you start living together, and you, this junk starts coming out. And she still loved me. That made me love her more and more. You see, the more you know about God, the more you're going to love Him because the more there is to love. And how do you know more about God? You've got to be in the Bible. You've got, this is what God gave us, the Word. This is how we discover God and He speaks to us and we understand Him from His Word. Psalm 119. If you want to open your Bibles there, I'm just going to take you on a little trip quickly and show you some verses here. Psalm 119, verse 10. David wrote this, and he said, With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 16, I will delight myself in your statutes. Chris, just think about that. I will delight myself in you. Verse 47 and 48, I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands also I will lift up to your commandments, which I love, and will meditate on your statutes. Look at verse 77. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Verse 92. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Verse 103. 
How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 111, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever. They are the rejoicing of my heart. Verse 113, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Verse 119, you have put away all the wicked of the earth like dross, therefore I love your testimonies. Verse 127, therefore I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. Verse 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. Verse 143, Trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. Verse 163. I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. Verse 167. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. Verse 174. I long for your salvation, and your law is my delight. Is it any wonder that David was a man after God's own heart? He loved the Word of God. Listen, folks. There is no one who genuinely loves God that doesn't love and spend time in His Word. If you say you love God and you're not in the Bible, you don't love God. You can't love God that you don't know. You may have this affection for God. Well, I don't not love God. You may have this positive feeling towards Him. But to love Him, you've got to know Him. And to know Him, you've got to be in His Word. There's no such thing as loving God and not loving His Word. Oh, you can serve God. You serve Him because you love Him. But don't forget Luke chapter 10, verse 38, 42. The Bible says, Jesus went to eat at Mary and Martha's house. and she, uh, Martha, it says, verse 40, was distracted with much serving. You know, I have learned that in the time I've spent in the ministry that I can be distracted from Jesus by serving Jesus. Does that make sense? I can be distracted from really loving the Lord and spending time in His Word and praying and, and getting to know Him and fellowshipping with Him by doing the things of the work of the church. In fact, that's probably my number one challenge. If you want to know what to pray for me about, there it is. I'm a Martha. It's easier for me to serve the church than to do what Mary did. Martha got upset. Martha said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. There, that's me. Can I get a witness? Anybody else like that? Worried and troubled about too many things. That'll keep you from loving Jesus. Trust me, I know. But one thing is needed, Jesus says, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away. And what was Mary doing? Verse 38, Mary sat at Jesus' feet and did what? Heard His word. You cannot love Jesus if you don't love His word. If you're not in the word, you're not really in love with Jesus. I don't really love my wife. I never spend time with her. 
I don't care to know her. I don't really love her. I may feel positive toward her. I may need her. I may want her to serve me, do things for me, but love is not in the picture. To really love somebody, to really love the Lord, you need to spend time in His Word. One writer said, The love of God is the product of how much we search for Him, how much we seek Him. If we're going to be called into question at the judgment day, he said, it will be for failing to love the Lord, not for our failing to follow some ritual command. You see, the greatest of these is love. Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He hung all the commandments, the whole scripture, on one commandment. You say, wait about it. What about the second one? Love your, we're going to be there next week. Love the neighbors yourself. But he said it all hangs on those two. But the greatest, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's what he, what he wants from each of us. That's what He wants from me. That's what we need to ever be striving towards in every possible way that we can. Lord, I want to love you like that. I recognize this morning that there's a gap between what Jesus says and where I'm at. I want to I close that gap. Don't you? I want to close that gap. So two things I've just shared simply with you tonight. If you come at 530, if you're not going to those other two classes, I'm going to share with you the other five. Revisit how much you've been forgiven of. And get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the Word of God. And, and don't just read words. When you open the Word, look for the Lord. Look. For God. Look for Him to speak to you. Look for how you can connect with God. And listen. He will speak to you. He will speak to you. He'll reveal things about Himself that will make you love Him even more. Let's bow our heads this morning.